guys, it is Friday, January 5th, 2018, and you are listening to the Salvage Title Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brad Hazelake, and I'm here to talk to you about car news, car culture, car whatever. And guys, it's the first episode of 2018. You can tell that I'm feeling a little bit better in my voice. I'm excited that it's a new year. We've got a lot of work cut out for us to make 2018 a good year. And we're going to start off right with a good episode of the South Shadow Podcast. So news, well, of course, we're leading into the Detroit International Auto Show. We've got one new car to talk about that's kind of been shown a little bit, uh, but we're still a week out from the big news announcements happening uh, starting that weekend. But uh, we'll talk a little bit about the new uh, Ram 1500. I always want to call it a Dodge Ram, and I hate, I still hate that they changed that name. But anyway, the Ram 1500, and uh, discuss a little bit about what it means to be a new pickup truck in 2018 or 2019. Uh, second up, a little bit about car culture. I'm sure I've talked about the dream three-car garage, what it means to pick three cars that suit your needs. Uh, Spurred a little bit about by uh, an episode of the Carfection Show on YouTube, uh, where they talk about the new Audi RS4 Avant. Drool, commence. This is such a wonderful vehicle, but uh, what the perfect three-car garage is for you? I'll talk a little about what mine is. And then lastly, not exactly a car on my mind episode, but kind of sort of a section or whatever you want to call it. Uh, talk a little bit about winter beaters. Um, maybe what interesting winter beaters are out there that people are ignoring, uh, you know, I have one in particular in my brain, and maybe a second alternative. Both of them, though, you got to have some money to be able to operate. So we'll talk a little bit about those. Other than that, you know, something could come up towards the end. Who knows? There's a lot of things to talk about in some way, shape, or form. But anyway, after the bump, we'll talk about the new Ram 1500. So the 2019 Ram kind of got shown off a little bit in some spy photos earlier this week. Um, looks like we saw a Lariat version, big chrome grille, giant huge letters that say Ram just so that you know that it, not to call it a Dodge Ram anymore. Uh, it looks like a pretty good looking truck. If anything, I think it kind of looks like a GMC in a weird way, but uh, we'll have to see what the rest of the truck looks like. Uh, but we are in new pickup truck season. Um, Ford showed off the 2018 F-150 late last year, uh, mostly a revision of the F-150 that's been on the shelves for a little while, continuing with powertrain improvements, continuing with improvements in the interior, uh, you know, still the lightweight option in the group. Chevrolet showed off the new Silverado just a few weeks ago. Uh, looks like a really nice looking truck, but we don't really know anything about it outside of, well, how it looks. Um, the new Ram, on the other hand, is one of those things where is Fiat, uh, Fiat Chrysler, whatever you want to call them, are they going to spend the money to make the truck as competitive as what it needs to be? Uh, Ford has kind of ran away with the segment once again. Uh, I mean, they definitely have the money to do so uh, in terms of powertrains, in terms of construction, in terms of materials, all that. You know, these EcoBoost engines have really dramatically changed the game where they can build these small uh, V6 turbocharged, twin turbocharged options that have as much power as very powerful V8s and can get good fuel economy in certain conditions, but not all conditions. Uh, but they just, you know, they're good at altitude, they're good at sea level, they're good in hot, they're good in cold, like they're just excellent powertrains. And the question really becomes, we'll leave GM off to the side because GM does have some good powertrain options and they do good traditional V8s in addition to turbocharged options. I'm willing to bet they get a turbocharged V6 for the new Silverado as an option. Uh, but the Ram, with, like, I 
I I don't know what 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 Chrysler's going to do. Like you know, the, I think historically speaking, we see Chrysler do quote unquote good enough on a lot of their vehicles. And this Ram looks like they spent a lot of time and money on the body, on the looks. I'm guessing the interior looks very nice. Uh, the current Ram interior is pretty good. It's got pretty okay materials, especially compared to the F-150, which I think on lower trims is very disappointing in terms of quality and refinement. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, the outgoing Ram was old as, old as heck, older than old, and it was still outclassing a lot of current vehicles. Uh, this new one, you know, it really is only going to take a minimal effort to make it as good as the F-150, but what's it going to take to make it go past it? And I think it's going to come down to powertrains, and the question is whether or not Fiat Chrysler spent the money to develop new powertrains for this truck. They're going to be as robust as what Ford offers in the F-150. And my guess is probably not. Um, you know, Fiat Chrysler, for all of their money problems that they've had and all of their, uh, well, I guess currently their good call to invest all this money in trucks, SUVs, and so on, uh, that has made them a lot of money. Uh, they just don't have the powertrain game that Ford and GM have. Uh, you know, they're going to need to come up with a turbocharged V6, maybe a turbocharged V8. They've got a good turbo diesel on deck, two turbo diesels, actually, that are good that are on deck. Uh, one, the uh, EV, Motori, whatever, the Fiat-built one uh, that's in the Jeep, and now will more than likely, again, be in the uh, Ram. Great engine, pretty robust. Uh, it's the Cummins V8 uh, straight-sixes, I guess, uh, turbocharged straight-sixes that are really great. But the rest of it, I don't know. Like, they got, they need to get a better gearbox. They need to get better natural four-wheel drive. I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm really excited to see what comes out of this new pickup truck. I'm always kind of rooting for Ram as the outside favorite. As much as I like the new F-150, I generally prefer the Silverado. I just like those naturally aspirated V8s with those new 10-speed automatics. They just, uh like... GM just knows how to build a good V8, and I can't get around that. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping Ram brings it to it, because the Japanese are coming. You know, we've got a new Titan that is very, very good. It's on deck. We're more than likely going to get a new Tundra very soon. Um, you know, if out of all of them, uh, Ram is always the one that's under threat the most from the Japanese competition, and they've really got to step up to leave that competition to start beg or picking at the door of uh, GM and not them. So... I don't know. We'll see. It could be exciting. It might not be. But uh, we've only got a few, well, a week and a half or so to figure it out. Ever since I was a kid, I could always name a couple of cars that I would love to own. Uh, you know, I think that's something that most car folks, gearheads, petrolheads, whatever you want to call yourselves, uh, they all have. They've always got at least one car that they would love to have. I, you know, if everybody always talks about, ask me what car, no matter how much amount of money you have, would you want to buy? And my answer is always a 1967 Chevrolet Corvette, 427 tri-power, convertible with the Rally Sport package, preferably in teal with the white accents. That would be great. But, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those cars that, as much as I want that car, I don't know if it sits in my dream three-car garage because more often than not, you, you know, you want to have something cool that you can drive every day. 
You want to have something that can get you through the weather, especially if you live here in Michigan, where we currently have, you know, two feet of snow sitting in our front yards. Uh, you know, and you also want something that's probably really rare and really expensive and really out there. And so as much as I have a favorite car, it doesn't always sit in my uh, dream car garage. So the question is, and this is spurred by a uh, Carfection video that I watched earlier today, uh, where they review the new Audi RS4 Avant, uh, a car that I don't believe we are getting in the United States. Once again, for some reason, Audi never gives us the cool uh, wagon versions of these cars. Audi, of course, always calls them Avants. Um, yeah, like they talked about how this car kind of checks that third box where, uh, you know, you might get some super exotic fancy road car, you might get some racing classic, and then you get the car that you can use every day. And, you know, I was thinking about it, and I kind of came up with what my three are. And I would love to hear what your guys' three are. Uh, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, at YSSMAN, or uh, tell me on, uh, well, here, on Anchor FM, anchorfm.com slash YSSMAN. Uh, that's always a good one, too. Uh, but anyway... Uh, my three, you know, it's fairly, fairly simple, uh, two cars at least right now that we can't get in the United States, which is really disappointing. Uh, the first one is the Alpine A110, uh, just released, uh, over in Europe, uh, or is hitting the streets now. Basically, it's a small, uh, coupe. It's a mid-engine coupe, uh, uses a 1.8 liter turbo engine from the Renault, uh, Renault Sport line. It's got a dual clutch, uh, automatic transmission. It's a really sporty, but not overly sporty sports car that I could drive every day. I wouldn't feel beaten to death by it uh, commuting uh, to my job, which is about a 30-mile commute. It's a wonderful little car. Basically, it's a Porsche Boxster competitor. I love the Porsche Boxster. I love the new 718, but the new A110, God, it's beautiful. It's different. I think it's also the I can't get it in the United States thing, so I want it even more. Uh, but that car just, ugh, it just tugs on those heartstrings in no way that a lot of other cars have in recent memory. Uh, car number two, it's got to be the R33 Nissan GTR. Um, as much as I would prefer to have a more pedestrian version of the Skyline R33, the R33 GTR is just, it's the one for me. It's the one that nobody likes. It's the one that's too heavy, too slow, too, eh. Uh, for a lot of people, you know, I like the R32, I like the R34, but the R33, it's that car and the NSX GTR are the two JDM cars that I want the most. But the R33, I think, is the one that I'd want to live with every day. And then lastly, uh, is probably some kind of SUV that I would need to drive, um, you know, especially to get through the weather, things like that. I've had a tough time kind of deciding where I would want to go in this direction, and at least right now, and, you know, my, my list changes day to day. It changes week to week. You know, there could be a really cool car announced at the Detroit Auto Show that's coming out very soon uh, that could very easily replace this. But I think kind of the compromise vehicle for me, thinking, of course, of my partner Ashley, is uh, it's the Alfa Romeo Stelvio. Uh, it's a really weird choice for me. Um, because I genuinely do not like SUVs for the most part. I don't care for crossovers as much as I talk to talk about them in this. I don't like being up high, but this seems to sit a little bit lower. It's got some serious sporting credentials. The two liter turbo that's in it makes some pretty good power. It still handles like a sports car. Uh, yeah, I think the Stelvio kind of takes it for me. Uh, I would definitely love to get it in that Russo red, but uh, yeah, just a nice basic plain Jane white would be great. I don't know. It seems like the car for me. So, uh, Alpine or Alpine A110, R33 Nissan GTR, 
and the Alfa Romeo Stelvio taking the top three spots right now in my dream car garage. So we're going to kind of skip over a car that's been in my mind segment, but it's kind of a car that's been in my mind segment, uh, winter beaters. Uh, living here in the Midwest, living here in West Michigan, where we get a ton of snow, where things get freaking crazy for what feels like six months out of the year, uh, the idea of a winter beater is always on people's uh, mind, I don't know, uh, usually leading up to about September, October. And with the amount of snow that we've gotten this year, I've kind of gone back in my catalog of vehicles and I've been trying to think of cars that would be actually nice to own and drive uh, not just you know in the winter time uh, but most of the year and kind of be a cheap alternative to a winter beater that you know maybe isn't a $1,500 you know Crown Victoria P71 that you can beat to hell and drive the wheels off of for six months uh, maybe be something you can actually keep and own and use every day and uh, kind of sitting at the top of my list uh, right now is a Volvo and an Audi, uh, weirdly enough. Uh, I was driving home the other day from work, and I work really close to Lake Michigan. And on the lake, you know, you'll get a foot a day if you're not careful, sometimes more than that. Uh, but a little bit inland, it's not too bad. But what I saw was a burgundy red wagon with plastic cladding. And could it be anything else other than the Volvo XC70 crossover? Uh, the Volvo Cross Country Wagons were I, a pretty novel idea back in the early 2000s. Uh, Volvo took their V70 wagon, they raised it up an inch or two, maybe three inches, I don't remember. It was just a little bit. Uh, they gave it a little bit more aggressive mud and snow tires, and then they equipped it with their very capable all-wheel drive system. Uh, you know, it still had the turbocharged inline five, the five-speed automatic, you know, all the basic stuff that all the Volvos had at that given time. These cars were very popular. They sold very well. And then Audi came along and made the other car I was talking about here, the uh, A6 Avant Quattro, yada, yada, yada. They had a couple different names. But the, uh, the Audis were a little bit more novel because they had an air suspension that you could raise uh, from a more sedate more public road, more, you know, urban ride height to a much higher thing that could get you over some ruts and guts and some more snow banks and things like that. Uh, the Audi, you know, had the 3.2 liter Quattro uh, system, so it was a bit, it was the VR6 with the, I think it was a six-speed automatic at that point in time. Uh, some of the later ones had twin turbochargers on them, which might have been the 2.7 liter twin turbo V6. I get it mixed up because there's a lot of changes that happen on this car for Audi. Uh, the Audi, of course, is notorious for being one of the least, re least reliable vehicles ever produced by a German automobile manufacturer. Uh, I think probably second only to the Audi uh, A4 convertible that had the CVT gearbox that was proprietary to that car. But nevertheless, Two cars that I really think would be really cool to have, at least in the wintertime around here. Um, you know, they've got some pretty good safety systems with ABS, traction control, all that. You know, with the right tires, I think they could definitely crawl through some pretty deep snow. They get pretty okay gas mileage, especially the Volvo. Uh, the Volvo's rated for like 26 or 27 miles per gallon on the highway, even with the all-wheel drive system. That's crazy. Like, that's crazy good fuel economy for that kind of car. Uh, even in the city, it's supposed to get like 20 miles per gallon. Uh, so for like a pseudo crossover SUV replacement, 
I don't know. Like, that's crazy. So I did a little bit of a search here in West Michigan. Right now we're paying the cold weather tax, the snow tax on these cars. I found one uh, for about five grand. Uh, had about 160,000 miles, or excuse me, 140,000 miles on that one. Uh, pretty good condition. Uh, seems like it was maintained fairly well. Of course, you'd have to see it in person. But I figured that wasn't too bad. I also looked for another one. There's one really close to me uh, for about... Four grand have 270,000 miles on it, but it's really been maintained really well. Uh, I would say it could be worth a look, maybe, if you're willing to spend the money on repair costs. Uh, apparently, Volvo thinks that the average repair cost on these things is anywhere from 600 to to $1,000 a year on repair costs, which is crazy. Um, these things also eat through gearboxes, from what I understand. They put a lot of stress on it, so you got to make sure that you're maintaining those pretty well. A used one is going to be about $4,000 to stick in there, which is crazy on a $4,000 car. But if you can find one that's in good shape, that's been maintained well, that would be a really interesting winter beater that you could use year-round. I don't know. We'll have to see. If you've got any other winter beater call-outs, make sure you let me know on Twitter at YSSMAN or hit me up here on Anchor. Drop me a line. Tell me about it. We'll post it in the next episode of the show. See you after the boom. Well, that just about wraps up things for this episode of the Salvage Title Podcast. Uh, this is the episode for January 5th, 2018. The first episode for 2018 and yeah here it is it's it's here we've got the t like the the water is going out in the ocean the tidal wave of news and information is coming for the detroit auto show get excited guys it's gonna start coming it's not quite the trickle but maybe the rain i don't know water metaphors they're there uh so i believe it's a uh, not this weekend but the weekend after is when all the press preview stuff starts and then monday the show kind of kicks off and then the public show starts on uh, that Thursday but uh yeah I'm like stoked this is the best time of year I love going to the auto show I can't wait to share my thoughts and news and whatever with you guys it should be really great uh so keep posted here um I'll try to post an episode every day with different breaking news that happens and then maybe do a little bit of a wrap-up at the end uh with cars or trucks that I thought that were really cool um, also, just so you know, I do another version of the show in this feed called the Salvage Title Car Buyer's Guide, where we break down uh, a segment of vehicles. I pick the top three options that I think are worth your greatest amount of interest, uh, whether that's a uh, good value for money, something that's fun to drive, uh, good technology, you know, there's a lot of different ways to rate them. And then I also uh, add a uh, fourth option that maybe isn't the best choice, uh, or maybe is the fourth place choice and I just couldn't get it on the list. Um, but usually it's something that's worth your attention that uh, maybe gets ignored from time to time. So check that out if you're shopping for cars. I believe we've done uh, episodes on EVs, uh, small crossovers, or mid-sized crossovers, and uh, I know I did one on compact cars. So, yeah, maybe we'll do another one of those fairly soon. But, uh, yeah, that's about it. What's going on? You guys, if you got anything for me, uh, feel free to drop me a line here on Anchor. Hit me up on Twitter, at YSSMAN. Uh, just be an all-around cool person. That's always a good thing to do. we got a great weekend ahead of us. We've got a great week ahead of us. Catch you guys next weekend, uh, Thursday or Friday. I'll probably try to get one out before the weekend. Uh, so we'll see you guys real soon here on the Salvage Shuttle Podcast. Oh, and uh, if you're listening on Anchor FM, there was some Pixies uh, before the show started. We'll put some Pixies at the end of the show. Hope you guys like the Pixies. I know I do. We'll see you guys next time.